My daddy may now make an announcement. Are we doing this? And are you cool with it? I'm cool with it. Are you cool with it? We're cool, right? We're all, everybody's cool. Butterscotch. Butterscotch. Welcome to the bitterest pill. It is Dan Class. I'm in my garage here uh, under the flight path at Los Angeles International Airport. And I was just realizing, I think I used to actually introduce myself. I don't remember exactly how I used to say it, but, but, it was, but essentially it was a former comedian, failed actor, stay-at-home dad, shut in. Dan Class recording live. Was that how it went? Recording live <laughs> under the flight path at Los Angeles International Airport? Which I think is very telling uh, that I didn't say that and then had to struggle to remember it because I don't uh, self-identify as those things anymore. I don't know what I self-identify as. And that uh, I think that could be part of the crux of the next hour now that I say those words out loud. You know what I mean? Um, because even when, when you, uh, you kind of self-identify, so to speak, uh, as – a former something, you at least own that you used to do whatever that former thing is. Or if you're a failed whatever, I used to say that somewhat facetiously. I would say that while I was making, I mean, there were some years I made an okay living doing wacky commercials and stuff, right? So there, there's a benefit to whether you're being facetious or not or former or not, right? Being able to leave, well, I, I, this is what I do. If someone asked me now, what what do you what what are you? What do you do? What's your story there, Baldo? I uh, I guess I I make websites and podcasts. Okay. Now the truth is, I'm a I'm an acclaimed podcast producer. But if I come on this program where I'm supposed to be self-effacing and I talk about all my production successes, it's it's bourgeois. Self-aggrandizing. Wouldn't you agree? Listen, this is just a character that I have finally honed over the years. And truth be told, I do not have any of the idiosyncrasies, the insecurities, the je ne sais quoi's that the character Dan has. Dan uh, of the bitter's pill is a character, you see. I, of course, am a very... Well, frankly, a completely self-actualized individual who uses mindfulness to succeed in all facets of my life. I have an online course coming out very soon where I will be teaching uh, very specific meditation techniques where in five days you too can be as self-actualized as the real Dan class. Get your PayPal ready, baby. So... You know, so a couple things that don't go to so so I just spent the last I like twelve minutes trying to stream the the recording of this show on Facebook Live. Now I might be record uh, you know streaming right now on Facebook Live. I have no idea. So if you're out there and you're watching as I do this, hello, thank you. I have no idea that you're here, and I'm not going to look because I think my 
Chrome froze, <laughs> so to speak. Um, but I did get a couple lights set up and uh, got the camera on. I'm talking into the camera. So the whole time, whether you can see me or not, imagine I actually am talking into a camera. A, a, a camera that's shaking <laughs> every time I shake the table. Maybe I should put it on a tripod. I only have 17 of them. You'd think I would use one for a camera that I'm currently using currently right now. So as I record this, it is uh, Cinco de Mayo. I don't know how to say 2019 in Spanish. I barely, actually barely know how to say Cinco de Mayo in Spanish. Luckily, Cinco de Mayo is Spanish, ergo ipso facto. But other than that, I don't, like, I don't know how to say, you know, not those other numbers. But it's, but it's, but it's May 5th, uh, 2019, and it's uh, 1.33 in the p.m. as I record this. And so, and I should be embarrassed to tell you this. I'm leaning back now because I got I, I to get into this show. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think I mentioned last time, and last time was actually hmm, a month and five days ago, I think. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. I got problems. You know what I mean? I got other stuff going on. I'm very distracted. Um, the last time that we, that we talked, I think I mentioned that I have, you know, this karate thing coming up which will remain nameless. If you don't know what I'm talking about and you can't figure out what I'm talking about, just listen to the previous show where I think I name it by name. But I have this karate thing coming up, which I should have been preparing for in earnest since, well, all, you know, <laughs> for the last five years. But, but, but in particular, <laughs> earnest uh, since at least, let's say, January, just if you had to put a thing on it, right? Getting ready for May 19th, as it turns out. I knew this thing, this karate thing, this event, this test of my metal. Uh, I knew it was coming up in May. And so, so you'd think a rational person in January would have started like really what my dad used to call buckle down, right? Should, I should be buckling down to get ready. And I haven't. And so I did what any real man would do. Any super alpha like myself, you know me, I'm very macho and tough. I did what any self-respecting karate man would do. I went to my grandmaster. And in perfect stance, feet under my shoulders, left hand over my right hand in front of my Lap, kind of signifying that I did not want to challenge him to a fight. I looked him dead in the eye and I said, Concho, I'm begging you. Please don't make me test in May. Please, Concho, please. How about maybe, I don't know, September? September sounds great. It's around my birthday time. It'll be fabulous. It'll be like a celebration. Please, God, please. I'm, I'm not joking around, man. So he said, okay. So I, I wimped out. So instead of getting my crap together right away and just for the next month pounding away, I bought myself summer being a, a, a groveler, basically a groveler. Okay, so I have a, my black belt in, in procrastination. Clearly, I don't even think I have a black belt. I think I have... 
you know, I'm, I am a master at procrastination. If you ever, if you ever need someone to write a thousand word article for medium on procrastination, not how to beat procrastination, how to do procrastination, I'm your man. Except, of course, I would never exactly get it done. So, so that's the story with that. So luckily we don't, we're not going to talk about that. Although let's talk about this. Let, let's throw it down. Let's do this. We got to do, please, I need your help. I'm not joking. It's Cinco de Mayo. Let's assume that I'm going to have this event on September, whatever the third, either, no, I, th I think they're usually a Sunday. So I think, it, let, let's assume for now, and I don't know what the date is. I don't have it in front of me. The third Sunday in September, 2019, there's this event that I need to start accepting is inevitable. Okay. So let's, I'm just, I'm looking you in the camera with no one watching because it crashed half an hour ago. I, Dan, am changing my life as of right now, as of 137 on Cinco de Mayo. I currently weigh, and I haven't weighed myself in a couple of days, but I'm going to tell you, it's an embarrassing, for me, for my build. Listen, if you weigh this much or more than, it's, it's, for, for me, for my build, I'm a small person who shouldn't, right? I'm not, like, this isn't muscle weight, folks. I, I'm a, like a buck 83, 2, 3, 4, 3, 2, 1, 3, 4, somewhere in there. That's totally the heaviest I think I've ever been. Certainly, the, without question, the heaviest I've ever been when I've weighed myself. Maybe I was that heavy at one point and went to the doctor and the doctor weighed me, but they maybe were nice enough not to say it. I have certainly never heard a doctor say, yeah, you're only 183. Like, there, this, there's no way. Okay? And listen, I can blame it on change of lifestyle and the fact that I have a desk job. I can blame it on all the driving I do or certain foods I eat or medications. The truth is it doesn't really matter. I won't survive the event in September if I'm carrying 15, 20 extra pounds. It's just not going to happen. So as of today, I have to, I have to involve you in my guilt or my whatever to make changes. Okay. So that's it. As of today, the single de Mayo, the day when everyone else is drinking like effing crazy here in the West coast, um, I need to start um, exercising and losing the weight and exercising, becoming stronger and practicing my karate moves. And then hopefully after the event, we never have to talk about it ever again. Because Not because I'm going to quit karate, because I don't want to talk about it after that ever, ever, ever again, I swear. Unless I'm punched. Okay, if I'm punched in the face and I get a black eye or I break my arm or whatever, of course I will tell you about that because that's awesome. Dan, idiocy. Sure. Okay. Let's press on, shall we? So uh, I'm going to cross off karate on my list. I actually have a list. It says karate, Hugo's Eye, Chicago. Okay, that's my preparation for the show. Karate, Hugo's Eye, uh, and then Chicago. I went to a podcasting conference. Uh, I don't remember when it was now. It was a great conference. It was at the Outlier Conference. Uh, it was here in L.A., and I went to a session right before mine that was about storytelling, and a, a very successful comedian, actress, woman was running this thing. I don't remember her name. 
and I'm certainly not saying this to call her out, but she she advised this room full of people, if you're ever going to do a podcast and you're doing storytelling, what you need to do is write it out word for word and practice it and then rewrite it and then practice it and then rewrite it and then do it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that's good. No, seriously, you really are you? Oh, you oh, you. Oh, you're being serious. If that was my method, my friends, um, I would have done three podcasts by now in 15 years. I can't. I just can't. Right. So that's my note. My notes. Now, listen, there's a couple more words than that, but it's essentially karate, which is now scribbled out. Hugo's eye and Chicago. So let's talk about. So Hugo. So if you're a dad, listen, I think. Well, maybe you don't have to be a dad, but I knew for a fact when we got a dog, it was going to be my responsibility. Even though if you listed everyone, I know we've talked, I know, but right, even before the dog showed up, if you had listed everyone in order in the family, in order of how much they wanted a dog, I would be last. And if I listed everyone in the family in order of who was most likely to take care of the dog, I would put me, and rightfully so, at the top. So it should not surprise you that the dog. Now, maybe we've talked about, I don't listen. I, I can't get hung up on things that I've already talked about before. It's been too long. Right. But the dog, I mean, maybe you don't know this. Did you know that the dog comes to work with me every day that I go to work? I work three days a week at this company called Dad's Adventure. And Hugo is with me every day. And of course, everyone there loves him because he is a cute dog. I admit he is a cute, weird, little scruffy dog. And he's really good at begging and really good at being charming, especially to ladies. So he has all the ladies charmed and most of them feed him, at least half of them. There's only four or five people in the office at any given time, but at least 50% of the people are feeding him most of the time. So he's having a grand old time. Dad's adventure, I guess, is, is the point of that. Now, that's not why I bring it up. I bring it up because usually the day is pretty well, pretty routine. We show up, he runs around, he begs from everyone. And then as people come in for the morning, he then begs them. And then he just goes from desk to desk, whoever whoever most likely has food, whatever. So the other day, what was was it this week? I guess Wednesday, Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday was at work. And Tuesday's the day that the most people are there. And I don't remember who noticed it first, but Hugo, one of his eyes looked weird. And we kept like, you know, Hugo doesn't like to have his head touched, okay? Because he knows you're going to F with him. If you're touching his head, you know, he's right, he's getting F'd with. And I don't know if in a previous life, they like to whack him on the head, but he's not into the head thing. But we keep trying to get him to be still so we can look at his eye. So we look at his eye, and it is his left eye is red around the eye, not the eyeball. Because you can't really see his iris or his non-iris. You can't see the whites of his eyes because he's a dog, and that would be creepy. But around his eye, the skin is really red and swollen. And he's blinking. And he looks bummed. And so I 
I hadn't fed him, I think, or something. So I fed him and he always has this allergy pill that he has with his food. So I gave him that to see if it would help. And it really didn't help. His eyes stayed red and he kept blinking. So this goes on all day. And I figure, okay, well, I'm clearly going to have to take this dog to the vet. So we, when we get home, I call the, I text Melissa and say, hey, listen, the dog's eyes are red. I'm calling the vet right now. I'm going to see if I can figure out. I got to go up to L.A. tomorrow, but I'll see if I can slip in to the vet's office and get it looked at, even though the vet usually takes an hour of sitting around and waiting. It's a very busy vet's office here in L.A., and it's usually a, a bit of a nightmare, but we really like the doctors, so we keep going there. It's, you know, it's whatever. It's 45 miles away, but who, you know, who, who doesn't drive 45 miles to get their dog's eye looked at? So, so I call the vet's office, and I say, hey, it's, uh, you know, I'm calling about um, our pet. It's Hugo and his eye, and I, I really would like to bring him in tomorrow. Do you have anything? And so we do that happy dance where... They suggest a time, and that's not a time that you can make it, and then you say a time, and then they say that there's no opening. Okay. So we're just about to hang up the phone. And she says something like, blah, blah, blah. No, it's okay. Just bring him in Friday, which is in a couple of days. It shouldn't be a big deal. I mean, listen, it would be a big deal if he were... Uh, I don't know, scratching at it a lot or maybe if he was blinking a lot or something like that, you'd want to bring him in right away. But but really, I wouldn't worry about it. You should bring him in Friday. I'm like, hold on, wait, wait, you didn't ask. Never did you ask about blinking. You didn't say anything about, like, why are you assuming that he's not blinking? He's blinking like crazy and not blinking like a normal blinking. That eye is blinking like trying to get something out of it. He's trying to flick things out of his eye with the blinking. But you didn't ask me about blinking. You didn't. At the end, you said something about blinking, but you didn't. Okay? So, yes, he is blinking. He's totally blinking. Absolutely, without question. There's no gray area in the blinking. What do I do? So she, again, she has no times. She has no times. What, what suddenly now that he's blinking that she has time? No. So I say, okay, I'll call you back. So I get on the, I get on the texting with my wife. I'm like, listen, they don't have a thing. I mean, do you? Because she's usually the one that gets emotional about all this stuff, right? So she actually agrees right away. I was very shocked that we could take the dog to a vet we didn't know. Holy cow. Progress. So I look on Yelp and she looks on Yelp and we find... The, the the veterinary office really close to us gets very high marks on Yelp, and so I say to her, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna call over there. I'm gonna take them there. We're gonna do this now. Of course, we're we're doing all of this figuring out at four fifty seven, and this particular office closes at five. So I got I'm dialing and talking very quickly, and they don't have an appointment. The one close to the the, the house, the apartment down in Orange County. So I go to the next one." on the Yelp list and I make an appointment with them and they're a little bit further. It doesn't matter. Listen, they get very good reviews. They, right? It looks like a nice place, I guess, from a, the two iPhone pictures that are in the Yelp thingy, whatever, whatever. So that's what we're doing. But they're like, yes, we have a thing and it's a 10, but you can bring the dog and just leave them if you want. And we have the thing where you can just leave them and then we'll look at them and then you come back and it's not a big deal. And they were super accommodating. 
So I'm like, well, wait, let me get this straight. I don't have to reschedule my entire day. I can just come and bring and leave the dog and then come back when I'm bad. Like, yeah, no, don't worry about it. So I text Melissa and I tell her, hey, listen, don't worry about it. I got this covered. I'm a man. I'm a man and I take care of things. And I've got this covered and he's got, we've got an appointment and uh, it's, it's tomorrow and 10 and shouldn't, and I should still be able to make it up to LA. And she's like, well, which, which place she starts, of course, effing interrogating me because she wants to read the Yelp reviews because me reading the Yelp reviews and looking at the star rating is not good enough. She has to see it. It has to be pre-approved at all times before phone calls are made, even if it is now 5.59 and 27 seconds and everybody closes at 5. That's just whatever. So she gets over that. So we go the next morning because, I, like I say, I've got to go up to L.A. I got a meeting at noon. So we go in the morning. We drop off, the dog and I drop off uh, Tulu at school. And then we go to the vet's office. Now, again, I'm used to going to this vet's office. Now, I, and admittedly, the doctors are great, but it is, it's a little in a sketchy area. Not a sketchy area, but it's definitely in a low-rent area. Very nice animal hospital. But the one in L.A. that we go to, low-rent area, so to speak. And it's been there a long time, so it's been scratched and bitten and beat up and pooped on. and every, I mean, it's been it, – right, it's gone through – trials and tribulations so i walk into this place in orange county with hugo in a bag and it's so quiet in there except for the radio and everything is fairly new and clean and it smells like nothing it smells like no smell and so i walk straight up to the counter and I tell the young woman who we are. And she says, okay, great. She gives me some paperwork to fill out. She gives me a business card so I know what email address to send uh, the rabies certificate to. Whatever, whatever, right? So I figure, okay, great. I'm going to fill out these forms. She's going to check them. And then I'm going to leave the dog. And then I got to run up to L.A. And then I got to run back. And uh, the dog will be freaking out because he's here. But I don't, it, he's, you know, come on. So I think we literally were, f were finishing filling out this paperwork. And they say, oh, you know what, um, Mr. Class, the doctor actually is available right now. Would you mind going with Dr. So-and-so? And Dr. So-and-so is standing right there, and she's a she doctor, and she's like, how you doing? And I'm like, I would love to go with Dr. So-and-so. Dr. So-and-so is my favorite. I've never been there. But she is now my favorite. Trust me, there's no question. So we, we go into the thing, and Dr. So-and-so looks at the dog, and she's very charming and very cute. And I'm totally at an age where I'm... How do I put this? Okay, I am old enough now, being way past mid-century. Well, not way past, but I'm definitely past uh, mid-century, Right? It is apparently possible for a human being to be simultaneously an adult doctor and 
look super, super, super young to me. <laughs> That's freaking weird, man. She was so little and cute. Absolutely like a little adorable little doctor. And I don't mean to diminish what I assume are her amazing accomplishments in the field of veterinary medicine, but I just wanted to put her in my little pocket. So, but I, but I made a realization about myself in, with that, in, that visit in conjunction with uh, some other, you know, like picking up to-go food or going to the bank or whatever, is um, I have this warped uh, – how, how do I even put this? So – and I think it's because I'm just <laughs> like <laughs> – I'm an invisible man. Okay, let's just, let's call uh, a kettle a kettle. I am an invisible man. And I go, I spend a lot of time being an invisible man. Uh, whether I'm out and about, right? You do a lot of stuff alone. You're doing your errands. You're grocery shopping. You're alone. You're alone. And then I go to work and work is great, but it's not that many people. And a lot of times I'm sitting in a room alone in a very quiet office and then I go home and I drive with my daughter and she and I chit-chat. Once, once we're home, I'm alone. I'm alone. My wife comes home. I'm just like, you're right. It's this whole. So, but what I've noticed is, so if I go out in the world and I end up chatting with someone and that someone is female and that someone is attractive, I'm screwed up enough where I need that person to like me. Like, like me. You know what I mean? Like there's this weird, or maybe it's not even that I think they, I, I need them to like me. I need to know whether they, I want, listen, I want them to like me. Okay. And I mean that in a people pleaser way. And also I want them to like me. And I don't know why that's required. Because. They don't need to like me to look at my dog's eye or hand me my Thai food or deposit my check or whatever. You know what I mean? But I, I think it's a sign that I'm just not – I'm not getting out among humans enough where every encounter with another human – and by and large, it's – Females just because of what I do, I guess. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe I just notice when it's females. But it, it, it's like this thing of like, I'm out in the world. Someone, someone talked to me. Someone was nice to me. Someone spoke to me without a tone of contempt. That is the hottest thing I've ever heard. I mean, maybe that's what it is. Maybe, it, maybe that's what it is, is the timber of an adult female voice. Speaking to me without contempt. That's what it is. Thank you. We nailed it. Okay. That's what it is. And so I, I construe that as like, oh my God, I wonder if she likes me. She clearly likes me more than my wife does. But when you've set the bar that low, you know, that's not hard. And especially it's not hard in situations where 99.9% .9 of the people that you're interacting with 
that you're having these nice conversations with or in what you might refer to as the service industry. Right? You ever notice that you have really nice interactions, Dan, with waitresses? It's because they're working on tips, you dum-dum. But also, you know, people are nice. People are generally nice. Where you go, if you, if they engage you or you engage them and you pull each other out of your own heads and into each other's reality, people are generally really nice and can really connect with you. Why don't you just do that more often, Dan, and not let it spin your head around like, like it's been some sort of monumental event that, you know, Hugh Grant is going to play you in the movie version 25 years ago. It's, that's not what, right. But I wouldn't know. How, how do I put this? Like back when I was a kid and I had hair. And I've told you this many times. I spent a lot of time. I, I was, well, yeah, I spent a lot of time trying to get girls to like me. Girl, quote unquote girls, you know, young women. Of my own age, appropriately aged, my age, female Americans, predominantly, um, to like me. And um, that that's part of the, like the hairstyle choice and the clothing choice and the shoe choice and the activities choice and the, the speech pattern choice. Like all that stuff, whether you want to admit it or not, you choose. And I chose based on the desire to... Right, garner the interest of the females of the species. But now, because I've been married for so long, I'm getting very dry. Um, I wouldn't know the difference between whether someone liked me as a f- friend or whatever, or frankly, as a customer. <laughs> Or if they liked me, like, I like you. You know what I mean? And honestly, I don't think anybody likes me. Because you get to a certain age and people know you're married. And so you just get put on a list and that's fine. I need to accept that I'm on that list. And I, I can't because in my mind, I'm still 27. My mind has no idea that I'm actually in my mid 50s. My mind thinks that I'm still 27, but I still have my hair from when I was 17. When I was 27, I, had, I, I just did not have great hair. It was not a good, it was not a good collision between the styles of the day and my hairline. And it, it didn't seem to hamper things 100%, but I'm just saying it, it could have been worse. It could have been better. It was worse. It got worse before it got better. And now I just cut it all off because I don't care. So I guess where I'm going with this is, do men, please, Lord, get to a point where they accept that they're on that list? Or do some guys just never accept it and you just are tortured until you die? (laughs) You know what I mean? Because I assume that I'm on, the list I'm on is like the short, bald nearsighted, broke, old man list. Really? And that's just disheartening, isn't it? (laughs) Now, why do I care? Because I see people, you know, I, 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 
I see people that I grew up with or I see in-laws or I see, um, you know, just other people around me that, you know, they're, they're in these marriages <clears throat> or they're not. Maybe they're single. But they just seem perfectly kind of content with, the, with what's going on. And I wonder what that's like. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I wonder if that's just an, an inherent problem in people that feel they need to do creative things and need, need a creative outlet. Is your, uh, that is a result of never being satisfied, ergo, ipso facto, you're never satisfied, ergo, you're always looking around for both stimulation, and I don't mean sexy stimulation, I mean, uh, you know... Um, you know, dopamine, basically, you're looking for stimulation and validation all, all the time, just like a, just vacillating frantically between those two things. So I just wish, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is I wish there was a code word or something. If we could just get casual about, we got to get casual about some interactions. Okay. So for instance, like the whole uh, Me Too generate, uh, thing and consent issues and stuff like that. So we need, we need to get really clear about our safe words. Right. And if I say my safe word, that's it, especially for the ladies. Right. Then you end up you're at Weinstein's apartment and you just be like guacamole. And then that's right. We all know what that means. He wouldn't understand. But you, you understand what I mean. And the, con, the issue of consent, we right. We got to just we got to just be like, are we doing this? And are you cool with it? I'm cool with it. Are you cool with it? Yep. We're cool. Right. We're all everybody's cool. You can retract it anytime. So can I. Well, like just it's communication. Communication, all of this is about communication. Well, what another form of communication that we could work on is when I go into an Italian restaurant to pick up food to go, if the woman working as like the to-go hostess, right, if she recognizes me and refers to me by name and like, hi, how you doing, Dan? Nice to see you again, Dan. Where you been, Dan? See, I don't know if I'm getting a vibe from her or she's just knows that I got to sign that little receipt and there's the little gratuity line, right? I think there should be some sort of sign or a card, some sort of like hand gesture you give to someone like, this is nothing. This is nothing. Now, a lot of women use the term, oh, my boyfriend says, which is very that works, right? If, a if you're chatting with a woman and the woman thinks that you're kind of drifting off into the non-friend <laughs> zone, it's very handy to just go, well, it's funny. It's funny because my boyfriend said or my husband said that – and that kind of – it. it's like when you push that button on your GPS thing and it recenters the, the map. It's like that. It recenters the map and everybody knows where they are and where they're going. And, you know, like we need, we need something slightly disguised. For people that Dan meets all the time, where they can in conversation just kind of slip in some other saying that is, oh, you know what, my boyfriend, like that. So when I'm picking up the food and she's calling me by Dan, by Dan, by Dan, by Dan, and I can give her a look like, what's your 17? And she can say, butterscotch. And then I know when she says butterscotch that she just is being friendly and professional. But if she says lima bean, then it's on. 
So that could be the end of the show, but I am going to... Oh, God, it's 204. I'm going to keep talking for a couple seconds, I guess. Uh, because I did want to say, so at some point at the end of last school year, the school, you know, my, my daughter's conservatory, she goes to that artsy-fartsy high school, right? So her conservatory uh, announced that, that this spring they would be doing a production of Chicago, which she was very, that was my zipper. She was very, the zipper of my hoodie. Don't, okay, relax. It was just the zipper of my hoodie. It's getting warm in here. Um, they're doing Chicago. You know, Bob Fosse, Chicago, all that jazz, yada, 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 right? And I don't remember how much of this I've even told you, but basically, long story short, uh, my daughter was really excited about it, and she started taking extra singing lessons, which I think went really well, and she worked on the audition sides at Christmas time, and then right after Christmas, they all auditioned, and she was cast in a decent role, especially a decent role for someone who was only uh, a sophomore. So I don't know if you know the story that well, but she got cast as Hunyak, which uh, Hunyak is one of the main, what are they, five murderesses, six murderesses? I forget. Um, but she's the one that speaks Hungarian. So you know there's the classic and I don't know if you're a musical buff or not. I'm really not. So, but in Chicago, there's the very well-known dance uh, song number, whatever, called the, what is it? Cell Block Tango. So she's the one in Cell Block Tango that doesn't speak English. That's, that was the part that my daughter played. Okay. And it's bigger to the plot and I'm not going to spoil it. If you haven't seen it yet, you should see it. It's fun. There's a movie, you know that, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Renee Zellweger. So... So I'm not going to go on about this too much, but so what happened was my daughter got cast. Simultaneously, a couple of her friends were in another production of Chicago. Now, can you tell Chicago has not been available to high school students until just now? And now every I mean, you probably you, wherever you are, can probably swing a dead cat and hit a high school production of Chicago from where you are right now. So some friends of hers were in another production outside of school of Chicago at this theater company in the area. So the theater company in the area's production was ahead of theirs. And so after my daughter was cast, but before they did their show, we went to see the other show, which was fun. But here's the thing. So. How do I put this? How do I put this without being a dick? Um, any father would be super excited and proud to see their child in a play or a musical, right? Obviously, that's why plays and musicals, one of the reasons why they're a staple of American education is because it's so cute and fun and awesome to see your children on stage. But imagine if you were a parent and also somewhat formerly a professional at that particular thing that they are doing with a bunch of other teenagers. So yours truly has a very hard time just being a parent in certain situations and, and struggles with not being a professional in those situations, treating 16-year-olds like they're 27-year-old professional actors. So we go... <laughs> We go to the other production 
for the, the company in the area. And listen, I, I say this – I hope that none of the parents listened to what I'm about to say the children were in that production, okay? But that production, for whatever reason, it solidified my fear about Chicago, which is this Bob Fosse's material should not be performed by virgins. Okay? I'm just going to put that out there. Bob Fosse's material, right? Cabaret, Chicago whatever, whatever, should not be performed by virgins. Particularly virgins that have apparently not been rehearsing in their high-heeled character shoes until opening night. So all these... I don't want to say anything rude, but you know what I mean? Like these girls come out to do these sexy, fussy-ass numbers. They've got no idea what their body is for. And they're like, they're acting like they're walking on stilts. You immediately feel so protective of all these young women, like just ready to run up on the stage in case one of them breaks their leg. Now, the show was very nice. The singing, you know, the singers can sing. But. Again, like. That's a, that's a show about adult themes of sexuality and jealousy and murder and a maniacal need for fame and the way we manipulate our uh, – the free press, et cetera. I mean it's just – it goes on and on and on. And then, <laughs> just like, oh, dear Lord. Oh, dear Lord, make it stop. So then, of course, I'm thinking, oh, my, oh, my, wait a minute. My daughter's going to be doing this show in a couple of months. Oh, my God. So this is a no-win situation for me because either my daughter goes on stage in fishnet stockings and makes a total ass of herself because they, she and none of her classmates can perform Fosse, or my 16-year-old daughter goes on stage in fishnet stockings and nails it. And that is also horrifying because you, right, don't really want your daughter to be able to be sexy in fishnet stockings on stage when she's 16. You don't want that. You don't want it. You don't want it. And you don't need it. And if you do want it, then you you got bigger problems than the fact that your daughter's doing Chicago. You know what I mean? So, so leading up to the show, I got to tell you something. I was very nervous because... Seeing that other show made me very nervous and also just coming to all these realizations, the the catch 22, the no win. She's either terrible and that's horrible or she's really good at doing what that show calls for. And that's simultaneously horrible. So I have nowhere to root. Right. What What am I rooting for? That it goes fairly well. And they end up doing the whole show in jumpsuits. Yeah, actually, that now that I say that, that wouldn't have been so bad. Um. It was magnificent. It was magnificent. 
the young people that performed that show were magnificent. The leads, I mean, you, you legitimately could forget, did forget, I did at least, that they were high school students. And you just were watching someone do Chicago. It, it amazes me. And maybe you can do this. I certainly can't do it. But it just amazes me that there are people that can walk out on stage and be talking and then within a split second be belting out a perfectly crystal clear gorgeous note. That is, that is like magic to me. And there are times in that show where that has to happen. Or times in that show, it's just written into the show. This such and such a character holds a note for a comedically long time so some other business can go on. Isn't that hilarious slash awe-inspiring? It was amazing. And then they all get off stage. And it's as if they all shrunk and all went through some sort of like youthing machine, not an aging machine, but a youthing anti-aging machine. I don't know. But they all, they all looked like these seven foot tall adult professionals on stage. And, and then off stage, they went back to just being like wacky, fun teenagers. It was, it was just crazy, crazy was so proud of my daughter and so impressed by those other kids. And my daughter did nail it. She did. They all did. They all did, Fosse. But they managed to walk that line. The line of like, we're going to do Fosse, but we're not gonna appeal to your prurient interests. You know what I mean? We're gonna do it, but there's a line that you didn't even know there existed, and we're just not gonna cross that line. And so you can enjoy the show, he can enjoy the show, we can all enjoy the show, nobody's feeling uh, objectified. The story gets told, the songs get sung, the bows happen. The seniors cry. And all that jazz. All right, thank you for listening to The Bitterest Pill. Uh, as always, you know, we're in the garage. But um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for listening. Thank you for your continued uh, support and uh, patronage through Patreon. You know, the show is made possible by our generous patrons at Patreon. Patrons like Megan, Edward Nothnagel, Alex Mirabelli, Sean Otham, Sean Stewart, Dan Kirkendall, Brom Lasagna, Jay Savastino, Peter Chase, Jim Cariotis, Mike Scott Hamilton, Jeff Short, Dave the Man Jackson, Harold Goldner, Flores, apparently the moderator of Patreon? And uh, David and Gerard. Uh, so listen, who am I forgetting? Oh, and of course, not last but hardly the least, uh, Dr. Rob Wright. Oh, yes. And 
It is that time. Finally, it is time for the Kickstarter campaign for Northbound Season 3. Yes, the season of Northbound that I have been looking forward to since 1987. So uh, if you're so inclined to uh, help support uh, uh, Northbound, if you're into independent science fiction, speculative fiction, uh, post-apocalyptic goodness... Yours truly as some sort of scientist. What has he done? I don't know. Um, come to the website at thebitterspill.com and look in the show notes for this show, which I think is 374. And there will be a link there. Or I'm sure you can search uh, Kickstarter for Northbound Season 3. Anyway. All right. So listen, uh, thank you so much. And I will talk at you very soon. This is The Bitterest Pill. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts if they take reviews i don't know i don't know what they do i don't uh, you listen am i gonna keep up with all this stuff are you kidding all right and if you're so inclined uh check us out on something's brewing somethingsbrewing.com or actually you know what just search for something's brewing in your podcast app it's uh cory pause with yours truly talking about sports if you can believe it okay all right bye The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's 